Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. up our DNA series, as I mentioned, uh, and we're kind of talking about our DNA a little bit more as a church the next few weeks, but uh, we're devoting a few weeks to it because uh, just uh, we needed to dive in some more depth, uh, but we're going to be talking about um, part of our DNA that has to do with stewardship uh, of our, our resources financially, but also our time. Uh, our friend's going to hit on that this morning a bit, uh, but basically what we do in, in the month of November before we get into the Advent season is we have our annual meeting. Uh, it's a vision meeting that will be happen, happen, uh, happening just as part of our Sunday gathering next Sunday. Uh, and as part of that, whenever we talk about vision, we want to talk about what has God given us at our disposal and how is he calling and inviting each of us to use that towards our vision, at a shared vision as a church community. So that's what we're stepping into for the next few weeks. Uh, and, and so I want to invite up a, a friend of mine uh, who is an amazing guy, and he's sort of funny. Uh, I think so anyway. Scott Hosier, would you invite Scott Hosier up? Thanks, buddy. Thank Thanks you. for being here, man. Absolutely. I'm just going to get Scott set up, and I'm going to let him start chatting to you okay. all. Okay, can I grab this stand real quick? I'll help you get me set up. How am I doing for the mic? Is this... We're good? Okay. Perfect. Perfect. What do we have here? Visual aids. Great. Good morning, church. Did everyone make it okay with the time change? You have no excuse. You gained an hour, right? We always go, Mary and I, my wife Mary is here. Just in case you don't know me, I'm Mary's husband, Caleb's dad, Naomi's son, and Denise's brother. There's my family right down here. Um, Andrew said, my name is Scott. And on the count of three, if you could all give me your names. So ready? One, two, three. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'm so excited today. We're going to talk about stewardship, like Andrew said. And let's give it up for your pastor, Andrew. I think it was Pastor Appreciation Month, right, in October? Did, you, did no one know that? Andrew, did they know that? And you're supposed to say... And you're supposed to say every month is absolutely, absolutely. Any Houston Astros fans out there? Good. Any Phillies fans out there? No. Yankees? Okay. So I was pulling, did anyone watch the World Series at all? No one? No one? I watched the last game last night, and um, I kind of fell asleep and then saw the end. And I was a big Mike Schmidt fan. Does anyone remember Mike Schmidt? You guys old enough to remember Mike Schmidt? 1980. He was my. He played third base. I was third base in little league, and well, it was like the 70s. The Yankees did really well in the 70s. My brother said you should really have a favorite player that's not on the Yankees. And he said you should like Mike Schmidt. I said, and I was nine years old. I said, okay, I like Mike Schmidt. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about stewardship. And uh, before we start, let's go to God in prayer. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this beautiful church. Thank you for the plant, God. Thank you that you are a God who is, that provides all our needs. 
and that we are stewards of time, treasures, and talents that you've given us, Lord. I pray that you would just be with us today as we go through this message, God. Um, Lord, let you be glorified. And as I was praying for uh, this day today, Lord, we pray for these hearts now again today that you would just open people's hearts. Thank you that we could worship you freely in this country. And thank you for this uh, beautiful Sunday. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So a little bit about me, right? You figure, you know, you haven't met me. Many of you haven't met me before. But a little bit about me. I was born at a very young age. In fact, I was born 1971, Teaneck, New Jersey, Holy Name Hospital. So that was, that's about, how old do you think I am? Do the math, right? 50? 35. Not your age, my age. Okay. 51. I went back there last week because I was born there. They didn't remember me. I said, memory little is crying. So today we're going to talk about stewardship and a little bit about my family. I grew up in Palisades Park, moved to Suffern. Anyone remember, know where Suffern is? Went to the Suffern schools. Pastor Jeremy, who was our pastor uh, on the Mawad campus, I went to the same schools Jeremy did, so that's my claim to fame, um, but about 10 years earlier than him. Uh, growing up in Suffern, I found out about a Christian college out in Illinois called Wheaton College. Has anyone heard of Wheaton College? Any Wheaties out there? All right. Awesome. What's your name? Class of, all right, I'm class of 93. All right, let's give it for Marjorie. Zimmerman, that's, um, so grew up in Suffern, attended Wheaton College, was a Bible and theology major, and now I'm in finance at Merrill Lynch, so go figure. But Bible theology major, graduated in 93, came home for a year and decided I wanted to go to seminary. So I started attending ATS in 1994. Does anyone? 1994, oh my gosh. Oh, 93, great, great, Jersey. Thank you, let's give it for Jersey. Uh, so went to ATS. Anyone have any affiliation with Alliance Theological Seminary? Raise your hand. I know there's gonna be a number of people, okay. So the best thing that happened to me at ATS was guess what? I met my wife, that's right. So this is how it was back in the 90s at ATS. You would go to, like the class was split up into two parts. I don't know if they still do this, but so you'd go to the first, first part of the class, and then you'd go to chapel, and then you'd go to the second part of the class. So I went to my first part uh, of the class, great class, went to the second, was sitting in the back of chapel, and an angel walked in. And it was, my, I didn't know then, but it was my future wife, Mary. So I, didn't, I couldn't tell you what the chapel speaker spoke about. Uh, I couldn't concentrate on cla in class. I did call her later that week on a blind date, and. The rest is history. Let's give it up for Mary. 25 years this May. Uh, we have four kids. We started attending the plant in 2010. At that time, my kids were, uh, I have Jacob, Jillian, Carolyn, Caleb. At that time, they were 11, 9, 7, and 3. And now my youngest is sitting here at 15. So now they're 23, 21, 19, and 15. I've been a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch since 2001. Uh, I applied in October of 2000 at the World Financial Center, which was right across the world trade at the time. Uh, thankfully, that I came out to a suburb January of 01, and, and I've been in the Wayne, New Jersey office 
ever since. Um, I do some premarital counseling for, for those, uh, if Rob has someone uh, that they need help, I'll do that. And also I've run a financial course for the church in the past called Balanced, Andy Stanley. So you don't need me to do this course, by the way. It's a great course if you're especially newly married or anybody can really do it. Um, I love this. They used to have it, I'm aging myself. They used to, used to have a DVD in the back, so I would play the DVD. I'm like, I'd wheel in the cart like the, old, like the AV guy. We'd play the DVD and then you know, go through class. Now you could go onto YouTube and you could Google Andy Stanley. He's Charles Stanley's son, right? Andy Stanley Balanced. And you could watch their six 45-minute um, clips. You could have a date night, or you could do whatever you want and, and watch this. It's very entertaining, and it's really, really um, informative. So when I talk about steward, stewardship, like when I talk about steward, what do you think of? I know what I think of. I had a picture. <laughs> Am I dating myself? Does anyone, does anyone know who those people are? What show they're from? Steve, what show? Can you sing the opening? Boat. Come on. Soon we'll be making another. Okay, what was on after the love boat? Do you remember? Fantasy All right, Fantasy Island. I got to stay up for Fantasy Island. Denise, remember that? We got to stay up for Fantasy Island. So when I, I was texting my little brother Todd, and I'm saying, I'm going to talk this Sunday on stewardship. And he's like, what, are you going to talk about a boat and a plane? Like, what are you going to talk about? Like, he was kind of busting me. But you do think of, when you think of steward, for some reason, I think of like Isaac and Captain Steubing and all these guys, you think of a, stu uh, a steward. What do you think of when I say steward? Does anyone have any thoughts? What's that? Gandhi? Okay. Oh, there we go. Okay. So I looked up steward in the dictionary. A steward is a manager superintendent to whom the head of the house or proprietor has entrusted the management of his affairs. The care of receipts and expenditures and the duty of dealing out the proper portions to every person serving in the household. In other words, an overseer. If you think of a steward, did these guys on the love boat, did they own anything on the love boat? They were taking care of what? what was already owned. They were taking care of other people's things. So what does it mean biblically to be a good steward? In three areas, of our time, of our treasure, and of our talents. So think about that for a minute. What does it mean? I'm sure you've probably thought of that over, over the years, and maybe you've heard sermons on stewardship. And some of them you probably liked, and some of them you're like, oh my gosh, like they want more money from me kind of thing. But there is good news about stewardship because really it's based on God's love. So there's a lot of isms that get in the way of our stewardship. Like think about it, especially in this area, there is consumerism, right? I mean, our economy, like the Western economy especially, I'm, I'm involved, I'm at Merrill Lynch. I look at the stock market every day. It hasn't been a happy ride lately. But you look at the economy, we are a service economy. We have to keep growing and buying and you know, buying services and buying goods to keep this economy going. We are a consumeristic economy. So consumerism, though, could be a temptation that could draw us away from being a good steward to the things of God. You know, also, there's materialism, right? You got keeping up with the Joneses or, or whatever. Maybe that's not your 
temptation, but we're still, we're so entrenched in it in northern New Jersey, I think we don't even realize it. When, when you travel outside this area, then you realize, oh my goodness, we're very materialistic here. And everything is based on, on money. When it comes to time, we have the pressure of, you know, individualism, right? Isn't that like, remember like back in the day or we kind of, we do know our neighbors. We're very thankful. We live on a great street in Midland Park. Um, but for the most part, a lot of people don't even know their neighbors anymore or your coworkers. Now, especially with COVID, you know, people living at home. So we're kind of separated and it's like, it's all about, it's all about me. So there's a lot of um, temptation and a lot of roadblocks when it comes to being good stewards of what God's given us um, through these things that are naturally in our environment, especially in this area. First Chronicles 29.14 says this, but who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you and we give you only what you gave, what you first gave us. So really everything came from God, right? Everything belongs to God and we're just caretakers. We're like those stewards on the love boat. We're taking care of things. Our time is really not our own. Our treasures are really not our own. And even our talents, as much as we like to think that we own them and we can do whatever we want with them, really they're all God's. So I want to make it real simple today. Focus on three verses in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21. Don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. It's hard for me to read it. It's, this is NLT. I think I memorized it like as a kid in King James and so I'm like trying to, but it, you get what it means. So we're going to break up this passage into the three verses that it, that it naturally breaks into. So if you kind of zoom out from this passage, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 is Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. You've heard of that? Sermon on the Mount, that's pretty popular. Now, the interesting thing about the Sermon on the Mount, it contains both the Beatitudes, and the Lord's Prayer. So it's pretty popular. And in fact, it's, it's the beginning of his ministry, and it's the longest of his sermons that have been ever recorded. So your homework for this week, it'd be kind of cool. Just read chapters, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. It's chock full with really great information on how to live. And really, what Jesus was doing, he's sitting down with the crowds and with his disciples, and he is telling them what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. So Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, you've heard of that, right? Salt and light, the law, anger, adultery, divorce, vows, loving your enemies. Matthew chapter 6, giving to the needy, prayer and fasting, money and possessions, which is our verse for today. Matthew chapter 7 talks about not judging others, effective prayer, and the golden rule. So it's chock full of, a lot of that stuff you already know, right? You think, I know, I know all those verses. I could probably, you know, tell you what those verses say from memory. So let's really focus in on money and possessions. And when we talk about treasures on earth, treasures in heaven, I like to look at it in three ways, time, treasures, and talents, okay? So we're going to kind of group that all into one. So we have to get the proper perspective here. 
So I really think it starts with, number one, realization. Temporal versus eternal. And so you think about this, as I was preparing for this, and you know it's a kind of go through, I don't know if you've ever prepared for a study. I know Andrew knows. Uh, I don't do it, you know, I haven't done it nearly as much as Andrew has. But you kind of go, I've gone through these waves like, okay, I know it, I got it. And I, I, I rehearsed it like yesterday. I'm like, this is terrible. Like, wait a minute. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to like, and you have a dream that like your stand falls over and you drop, you know, you spill your water and everyone laughs at you. That's every <laughs> But really, like, it, it hit me early this morning. I'm like, it really comes, think of Jesus. You know, he, it's, it's the Sermon on the Mount. He's sitting next to the Sea of Galilee. It's somewhere in Capernaum. And he's sitting down talking to these people how to be a follower of Jesus. And I said to Mary this morning, we're having coffee. I'm like, why did he do that? Because he loves us. He did that because he loves us. And we talk about stewardship, and it's like, oh, here we go. Okay, we got to do better. We got to you know, spend more time or spend more money. But really, stewardship and our being a good biblical steward of what God has given us is really basically a response to what he's done for us. So let's start with number one, realization, temporal versus eternal. Don't store up for treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. So three things I know, and you know it too. You've lived long enough to know. Time flies, treasures fade, and talents falter. Time flies, treasures fade, and talents falter. Time flies, first one. We have, an we have a finite time here on earth, not infinite. We have a finite time here on earth. And now I know you've been wondering about these, right? It's amazing what you could find on Amazon these days. 1,000 marbles. So um, before I get to that, there's a song that came out in 2005, Anna Nalick. I think you pronounced her name Anna Nalick, and the song was Breathe. I'm not going to sing it for you. You have to just look it up. Put it on Spotify. But there's a great line. It, was put, it was, came out in 2005, but I, I listened to it maybe just a few years ago, and one of these lines really hit me. It says, life's like an hourglass. And does anyone know the rest of the line? For 500, Alex? Anyone? Anyone? Life's like an hourglass glued to the table. It was just, for me, it was such a powerful metaphor because it just – Show me that time is really one way. We're born, we live, and we die. So think about it. You have this hourglass. It's got all the sand in the top. You put some crazy glue on it, stick it on the table. Can't turn it back over, right? It's going one way. Time is an hourglass glued to the table. And here's my, here's my story about Caleb. He's cringing now, my 15-year-old. So in 2014, I was trying to, to get the dates straight, and in 2014, Caleb got a calendar from my sister, his Aunt Denise. Let's give it up for Anthony. She's a great big sister. Yes, Aunt Denise. So it's, a, it's Monster Truck. Was it the Monster Truck calendar? So we got a Monster Truck calendar from Aunt Denise in 2014. So I said, Caleb, I said, he's very, he's a very methodical kid. He loves like puzzles and other things. So I said, it'd be cool if every day you would just write in what you did that day. Like, just, just write something down. I've always wanted to do that. I did it for like a week, and I forget it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, start, I said I'd do it in January, and now it's May. i got to fill all this in. I can't do it. So Caleb, I thought, oh, this would be nice for him to do, like, for the next month or so kind of thing. 
2014 went by, gets another calendar. I think from Aunt Denise or from us or gets another calendar, 2015, fills in all the days, most of the days. Caleb's gonna say, Dad, I didn't fill in every single day. But pretty much, I'd say 90 some percent of the days have been filled in. To this day, he'll be playing video games with his friends at like 2.30 in the morning. I hear him, he's going to bed, he's on his floor by his wall writing in his calendar and he's 15. So it's like eight years of writing in the calendar. And the reason I say that is if I ever were to go into his room, there's a stack of calendars somewhere that he's kept, and that looking through those, realizing how much time flies. You know, when I remember we had little kids, they would say, there was a saying that the days are long, but the years are short, something like that, to that effect. So every day it seems long, but really time is whipping by. So, can anyone take a guess what these marbles may represent? Okay, they, they represent something in my life. So, each of these marbles represents a month of Scott Hosier's life. This jar, thanks uh, Caleb and Mary for counting these out for me. Th this jar represents Scott's months lived. And now I'm being really assumptive here. But this jar, it might be this, you know, I don't know. But this jar represents Scott's months left. Now, uh, it got really dark. In the, in the <laughs> and then in the background, da-da! Mary's like, I, when I was doing this for Mary, she's like, I don't know if I like this analogy. So I am, how old am I? I am 619 months old. Right, Jersey? Jersey, how many months old are you? So, what's that? Any bad math? So, these are months left. Now, I did, I just did the average, it's like 83. I had 1,000 marbles to play with, so I think I lived like 83 or something like that. But, if I were to take this illustration further each month, I would take one marble out of this jar, and next month I'm going to be how many months old? 620 months old. And so... Literally, as time goes by, I'll be losing my marbles. <laughs> so, and sorry, Jersey, that this was so dark, but it really just put, look at me. So, so and Andrew would probably be the opposite, right? Andrew, you would be months lived, months left, you know, right? You're what, 32? How old are you? 35. Okay, so you're right about there, right about there. But the analogy was not to depress you. Sorry if I got depressing. But the analogy was to show you that we have a limit. I'm going to run out of marbles one day. We all are. Um, there's a great book by Randy Alcorn. Have you ever heard of this book, The Treasure Principle? It's a great book. This would be a great book for, for the church. I know Rob uh, bought this for the plant church in Mawa. And um, he talks about you should live not for the dot but for the line. And so, how many people are good at geometry here? Anyone? Caleb's taking geometry. You're not? Okay. He, he did. He did take geometry. He's like, Dad, I'm right in the front. So, a, a ray. It's called a ray. It's a dot and then a line with an arrow. Can we do that? I tried to find a picture. I couldn't. So, anyway, a dot. I could have drawn it, I guess. A dot, a line, and an arrow. And Randy Alcorn, in his book, The Treasure Principle, 
talks about living not for the dot, but for the line. Our present life on earth is the dot. It begins, it ends, it's brief, but from the dot extends a line that goes on forever. The line is eternity, which Christians will spend in heaven. Right now we're living in the dot, but what, we, what, what are we living for? The short-sighted person lives for the dot. The person with perspective lives for the line. The earth in my time here is the dot. My beloved bridegroom, the coming wedding, the great reunion, and my eternal home in the new heaven and new earth, they're all the line. The person who lives for the dot lives for treasures on earth that ends up in junkyards. The person who lives for the line lives for treasures in heaven that will never end. Giving is living for the line. Pretty cool. I, I recommend, I think it's like a few bucks, but it's called the treasure principle. Um, so next, uh, next point, treasures fade. Our possessions will not last. I'll tell you a quick story for sake of time. It's, it's like September in the middle of COVID. My, September in the middle of COVID, and um, I'm, I'm going to turn 50 the next year, March of 2021. And like COVID, where it's like, do you want to have a party? I'm like, no, I don't think I want like a bunch of people inside. I don't have a party. Do you want to go anywhere? No, I don't want to travel. I'd love a, a nice old pickup truck. So I found a 99 Ford Ranger. My brother is a personal trainer. He had a guy that wanted to get rid of it. It was actually pretty close to mint. He would travel to Florida every year in the winter, so the pickup would be in his garage, so never see a New Jersey winter. Well, I managed to get it, got it for $3,000, which I thought was a steal. Even more now, it seems like a steal at the time. That I got into the garage, and, no, and not more than three months later, I looked under the car, and there was all this like surface rust underneath it. And then a few months later, I went to start it and felt like, did the muffler fall out? Something happened with the catalytic converter. And then I went to start it the next, you know, whatever few months, and then it wouldn't start because I hadn't started it in two, in two months. So then I had to replace the battery. Uh, it just goes to show you that the things on earth, they rust. As good as they are, they're not going to last. Now, could I use that truck for something good? I sure could. I sure could. I had a nice sweater, another quick example, nice sweater the other day that I broke out of the closet an off-white sweater, and Mary's like, you look hot in that sweater. I'm like, really? She's like, no, you look hot. Are you sweating? <laughs> no. So I get the sweater on, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm like, wow, this is actually pretty flattering. And I look down, and I stretch out the sleeve, and guess what? There's a big hole in the sweater. Just like scripture says, rust will eat our things, rust will eat our things away, moths will eat it, and it won't last. So have you had the same experience with stuff? I'm sure you have, you have the same experience with that. Let's go on to talents. Talents falter. Gifts and abilities change with time. Is there anyone here that's really talented in anything? Has a talent taken You're raising your hand? Yes. What's your talent? You are? Can you sing something for us right now? Very good. Very good, very good. Anybody else? We had, we had a neighbor, the Seals, and my buddy Judd, who just had a great talent of riding unicycles. So he brought, one day he brought over a unicycle, and it was like the normal size. And I'm like, all right, that's pretty good, all right. The next day he brought over, the unicycle was like this big, and he's like in my driveway doing that. And then a few weeks later, he brings this unicycle that's, you know, like this high, and he's, he's going up and down the driveway. 
Um, there's another person that I know who you may know who's very talented. In fact, I don't even like being around him because he's so talented. It kind of makes me just feel worse about myself. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know Shane? Who knows Shane Higby? You know Shane. Let's give it for Shane. Okay. Shane Higby, um, in fact, it's gotten so bad. This kid is so talented. I mean, he could, he could you know, play the drums. He could build anything. Um, he goes camping with us. So it's like we go camping as families, or we did for, for a number of years. And there's, there's the Hosier campsite, and then there's the Higby campsite. And he's got all the wood chopped up and everything organized. So after a while, I got sick of it. And actually, his wife made us a shirt because my excuse to Mary is that I'm not Shane Higby. So that's what I would say to her all the time. <laughs> So, so she made a shirt for me, and I'll wear it every once in a while. I should wear it to church next Sunday for Shane. He's an elder. I think he's an elder on the board still, isn't he? So I'm not Shane Higby. So we are not alike. Our talents, aren't, talents are not alike. In fact, I used to play the trumpet. What happens if you don't use your talents, though? What happens if you're not using them? They falter, right? I used to play the trumpet so well. If I tried it right now, I'd really blow it. Okay. So, but for me at work, I love, for, so some of my talents is I love numbers. I would say to Mary, I almost scare her. I'm like, I love numbers. I love, I can almost feel numbers in my head. I love helping people. I love planning for people, financial planning, um, business. What about you? What are things that you like and how can you use them for God? So again, time flies, treasures fade, talents falter. They're just passing, but what are we doing for God. It leads me to my next point, action, outflow. It starts with giving, time, treasures, and talents. The next verse, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Three things I know. God is our example. We ha you have to say no to give effectively, and giving should be in our life plan. So number one, God is our example. What's the most popular passage that you know? Is it up there already? No. What's the most popular passage? You see it at baseball games. They hold up signs. John, John 3.16. God is our example of giving. He's our ultimate example. John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. There was a song that was sung at a... Um, a holiday, uh, holiday at Christmas time back in my old church, and the, verse, the verses were, the Father gave the Son, the Son gave the Spirit, and the Spirit gives us life. Isn't that kind of cool? It's called the gift goes on. The Father gave the Son, the Son gave the Spirit, the Spirit gives us life. God was the initial giver to us. He gave the ultimate price. He gave his Son. So what better example do we have to give? And what better example do we have now this time of year? We have Christmas coming, and it's a time where we could be using our time, treasure, and talents for him. We could be inviting people to church here um, and you know, tell them how much Jesus loves them. Next point, you have to say no to give effectively. Let's take a poll here. Who says yes to everything? When they were asked to do something, right, why do you say yes? Do you feel kind of obligated. You feel kind of guilty. Anybody else say yes to everything? Yes? Why do you say yes? You feel like you could do it. You have the, you have the margin. Rob would say you have the margin. You have the margin. 
Um, okay. Yeah, I think that's common for us. And even in the church setting, it's common, right? We want to, we don't, you know, Pastor Andrew asked me to do this. I really, you know, I really should do this. Um, but I would say this, for Christians, I believe it's okay to be discerning on how you use your time and talents. Because I really feel it's like a, like a zero-sum game. I really do. Like just things that I, so Rob will kill me, Pastor Rob. But he asked me to do so, like, so many different things that I say no to. I perfected the answer no. He's like, you say no to, he's like, you couldn't believe it when I wanted to speak. He's like, you want to what? You want to speak? He's like, you said no to like six things that I've asked you to do. But I felt like I'd be more effective to do this then. So think about it. You know, be discerning with your time, your treasure, and your talents, even within the church. So like I said, it's a zero-sum game. If you're spending all your time doing something that's not important, or even whether it is, now, again, I would say everything is important that you're doing something for the church, but if you feel like you're not as effective, you're just doing something to do it or out of guilt, you're taking that time away from doing something you could be really effective doing in the church. If you're spending your money somewhere that's not healthy, or let's say it is for, for a good reason, you think, you're not going to have any margin to give money to the church. It's just, just practical advice that... Um, you have to be discerning where to give your time, treasure, and talents. My family is very important. I, I try to prioritize seeing my mom and sister once a week in some way, shape, or form, right? Am I pre pretty good, right? I told them to say that. Um, they live together, so I try to see them the right and suffering. So my family is my priority. I try to be there for my kids. It's a high priority for me. I even said to Mary this past year, I said, I feel like my ministry is our family right now this year. I'm not going to do a a Bible study, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that, and I feel like it's been very effective. So, what fires you up? What gets you excited about things in the church? What can you do? Where can you take your time, treasure, and talents where they cross, and how can you be used from God? The West Milford campus, this is an awesome campus. I love the, the drive up here. It's a beautiful church. This is an awesome area to be exercising your time, your treasure, and your talents. And I know this church uh, you know, wants to be self-sustaining. And I know we have, we have some margin to go there uh, to get there. So I would say be praying about what you can give to help um, keep this church going. There's another great book that I've read. And am I good for time? Like, how much time do I have? I don't want to, like, I'm going. Oh, I'm ending. This, this takes a lot longer than I thought. Keep your attention for another five, ten minutes. Can I get another five, ten minutes? Um, I'll skip over. There's a book that I love. I probably, I listen to audiobooks a lot. I'm a big audiobook person. And this book, it's not a Christian book, but it's called The Essentialist. Has anyone read The Essentialist? Put it on your books to listen to. You know, you could take books that are written by, even by non-believers or agnostics or whatever, and really apply it to your Christian life. So let me read this real quickly. The way of the essentialist is the relentless pursuit of less but better. It doesn't mean occasionally giving a nod to the principle. It means pursuing it in a disciplined way. The way of the essentialist isn't about setting New Year's resolutions to say no more or about pruning your inbox or about mastering some new strategy in time management. It is about pausing constantly to ask, am I investing in the right activities? I'll stop there. I have more of the quote. But you get the picture. Greg McGowan, it's M-C-K-E-O-W-N, the essentialist. Okay. Giving should be in our life plan. The next part. Um, 
my day-to-day -day in financial planning is helping people. Help, I, and I love, I love, it sounds so bad, but I love the mess. If someone comes to me with like a financial mess, not that I love that they're in a mess, but I love fixing it. Like that's probably my favorite part of what I do, helping them plan, helping them straighten out what they do. Um, and also, I will say this, that I always incorporate in my financial planning, do you have a giving plan? Whether I'm dealing with people that are Jewish, that are Muslim, that are Christian, but the outflow is very important. Do you have a little plan, a giving plan, that is, not, um, that is on target for uh, your, your life's plan? Focusing on the things of heaven, eternal and giving, um, as we give, and this is my testimony. I gave a video testimony to Andrew last year. It was like the end of the um, stewardship campaign. Leads to heart change and leads to paradigm shift. So the last verse in Matthew that we're going to focus on, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Me and my giving journey. We came to the plant in 2010, and... We came from not great situation from our old church. It was a great church. I went there for 30 years. The last couple of years proved kind of horrendous, actually. So coming to the plant, I was very hesitant on giving. And I took my time, and I, even Rob and I wrestled through this. It took time to, to start giving on a regular basis. And the more I gave, the more secure I felt. The more I gave, the more Jersey, the more my mortality came into focus. The more I gave, the more things began becoming more clear, realizing I, I had more of an, an eternal perspective. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, we are most like Christ when we give. My heart changed when I began giving and living with open hands instead of clenched fists. So, and also you start when you give, you kind of narrow that amount for margin for other things that are um, discretionary. And you start learning the act of enoughness. So there was heart change. And heart change is the point. When Jesus sat down, the Sermon on the Mount, he gave that sermon to people because he wanted to see what? He wanted to see heart change. Heart change is what Jesus wants in our lives. He doesn't need our money. Did you know that? Jesus doesn't need your money. He wants our heart. And not 10%, but 100%. And I'll close with this for the sake of time. Number four, practical application. I'll, I'd love to talk to you after if you have any questions about this. But let's just talk real quickly about three words. Give, save, spend. Caleb has, I'm using you a lot as an example uh, today. Caleb, they're all good. They're all good examples. Caleb has three envelopes in his room. One is marked give, one is marked save, one is marked spend. In this Andy Stanley book, too, if you were to watch these videos, too, he talks about it, too. So give, save, spend. Um, I'll use this a lot with my discussions in financial planning with clients. It's give, save, spend. As Christians, it's give, save, spend. Where we get into trouble, where most of us land at some point in our lives, I know I did this, it was spend, save, oh, give maybe? So it's important that we keep that in order. Andy Stanley would say this in his book. Spy on your money. Spy on your money. Know where it's going. How do you spy on your money? We used, I don't think millennials are, write checks. Anymore. Does anyone write checks? You know what a check is? You know what, all right. Maybe you do it online. But spy on 
your outflows and inflows. So that would be your be homework for you. Spy on your money. Also, spy on your time. How could you spy on your time? Look at your calendar. Where do you spend your time? A couple quick terms. Opportunity costs. I love this when I talk to people about financial planning. If you have, let's just talk in terms of money. Let's just talk, talk about the cheddar. Let's get right down to the business. If you talk, you have $10,000 and you want to use that to buy a car, right? You could use that to buy a car, or you could invest that $10,000, and if you get the average of what the stock market gives you, you have about, say, five doubles in your life from your 20s to retirement. You could double it five times, okay? So that 10 could become 20, 40, 80, 160, 320,000. So you could, now I'm not trying to, oh, we shouldn't have bought that car now. Scott said we shouldn't have bought that car. But you could buy $10,000 of the car. It's not just the $10,000. What opportunity did it cost you to spend that money? So that 10,000 could be 320,000 after you invested in the market. So when you think of opportunity costs, think of your time, your treasure, and your talents. You know, if I spend that money here, it could be this, or it could end up just being this. Compounding, there's so many other things that I'd, I'd love to talk about. Part two we'll do sometime. If we pull it all together, I bring it back to Matthew chapter six, verses 19 through 21. Let's all be good stewards for the kingdom. It's the best way to live, and it's worth it. So my resources were balanced from Andy Stanley, the treasure principle from Andy Alcorn, Randy Alcorn, and essentialism uh, by Greg McGowan. So thanks. Thanks for listening. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.